Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Amen. So what we're going to be doing, uh, we're still not going to be starting back our series in Mark. For those who are newer or visiting, we are, uh, we're actually in a long trek through the Gospel of Mark that we took a break during Advent uh, for, and, but we will be picking Mark back up in January. We are at the halfway point, and we will be doing that. But for a couple of weeks here, we're going to do just a couple of uh, individual teachings. And today, we're going to be looking in Numbers chapter 6 verses 22 to 27. You're going to be able to follow along on the screens, but you can look in your Bible. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Even though most of us are not familiar with the book of Numbers, uh, this is a passage that you will be familiar with uh, from the book of Numbers, a passage you have heard quoted undoubtedly many times uh, at either this church or at other church gatherings. So Numbers chapter 6, beginning at verse 22. Hear the word of God. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. May God bless the reading of his word. Um, I had already decided I was going to be teaching on this uh, passage And then Mark Holmes, and this won't be a shock for those of you who know Mark, uh, he sent me a text last week and said it was just a special Christmas blessing, and it included this text, but it had a link to a video. And the video, um, which will be in the blog on Sunday, I'll, I'll post a link to that that you can see, it's about an archaeological discovery. And it was one that was made uh, in the last like quarter century. And they were digging. They had not expected to find anything. And they actually suddenly broke through and discovered that there was a whole bunch of old tombs in this place near Jerusalem. And in it, as they went around, they discovered two very tiny amulets, which are little scrolls. And they were made of silver and they were very tightly wound together. And the problem they had was they were so old because these were dated by everything around it. They dated them to between six and 800 years before the coming of Christ. So this is very old. This is before the exile. And they wanted to see what was on them because it was in a burial thing. So they were expecting, a lot of scholars were expecting some kind of, you know, just statement or maybe something to one of the many gods that they supposed that Israel had. But they had a problem. They couldn't unroll the scrolls because they were so old, they would break into many pieces if they did so. So it actually took them years to discover a way. And a guy finally figured out a way of putting this epoxy on it that they could kind of heat up and they could slowly unroll them. And I mean, it was very slow and painstaking. And when they did, they were surprised to find, because liberal scholars said that this did not exist at the time, the ironic blessing that we just read. 
It was written there in Hebrew. And it's the oldest section we have of the scriptures written anywhere. Again, it may be as much as 800 years before the time of Christ. That would even be before, say, the prophet Isaiah. And supposedly, many people said, well, those, those kind of blessings, the, the, it had not congealed together like that until after the exile. Once again, I don't know what's more surprising, that the word of God is proven right or some of these crazy liberal scholars are proven wrong which is like saying the sun's going to rise tomorrow. But once again, it was shown, no, this was actually there. It was like it said in the scripture. And this blessing was well enough known that people had put it on these things, this wealthy family, so that they were buried with this blessing and benediction. And so today we're going to take a look at that. And again, I'll give a link because Mark sent a link to a video that's about the uncovering of it. It's about 25 minutes. It's really, really interesting where they interview the, the guy who actually dug it up and talk some about this blessing and benediction. So let's dive in and take a look at the text. Now, this is what is known as the Aaronic blessing or Aaronic benediction. That's not ironic, that's Aaronic after Aaron, the priest. And notice, it's very clear what the purpose of this passage is, and it is about blessing. I've got highlighted here, notice three times in the passage is the word bless, that there's going to be a blessing. But it's not only that God says it three times in the passage, notice it's spoken first in the command. I'm commanding you to bless the people. And then the word bless is actually in the blessing itself. And then after the blessing, God says, when you do this, I'm going to bless the people. So in the command, he says it's going to be a blessing. In the blessing, he says it's a blessing. And then as he's recounting what's going to happen, he says it's actually going to lead to blessing. So this became essential to the people of God. It became a regular part of the people's worship. What the priests were to do when you went to the temple and you offered your sacrifice, the priest had a job, and this was not just all the Levites, this was specifically the priest, Aaron and his sons, down through the generations. They were commanded to speak a blessing over the people of God, and God promised that he was going to bless them. And it became a regular part of the worship of God's people. Even as that worship during the exile later came in to be in the synagogues, blessing became part of it. And down through the history of the Christian church, uh, we have had blessings as a part of our worship. It's one of the things that sadly has been lost in recent years. I remember, and I've shared this before, I went to a meeting one time when I was so used to our meetings where we had a blessing at the end of every gathering, and then I went to a, a meeting where a new pastor was being set in, and at the end, I was ready for the blessing, and the guy said, well, thanks for coming. See you all next week. And I wanted to shout, like, why are you ripping me off here, man? Give me a blessing. I want a blessing like we're supposed to do, like, like the Christian church has been doing for thousands of years. Why would we just stop that? But it has been part of our worship, and, and in many places still is, and God commands that it should be so. When we gather, one of the purposes is God does want to bless his people. It is part of God's heart towards us. So uh, that's what's going on in this text. Now notice, the second thing to notice, it is about blessing, but we're told who the source and the giver 
of the blessing is. It's not Aaron. It's not up to Aaron to figure out how to bless the people. It is the Lord is going to bless the people. So notice at the very beginning of the uh, blessing, it says the Lord. And this is the, notice it's in all caps there as it's copied in. This is the divine name Yahweh, as we often call her, sometimes Jehovah. This is the, the special name by which God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush and then to his people. The Lord is going to bless you. In verse 25, the Lord is going to make his face shine upon you. Verse 26, the Lord is going to turn his face towards you. And then notice at the end, God says, you're to do all of this. You're to say this. And when you do it, my name is going to be on them and I will bless them. So the blessing is not just some little thing that goes on. It is actually God is blessing his people. And this is good and important for us. One of the things that kind of developed, and there was a good reason for the question, but in the history of the church, well, what if the guy up front speaking the blessing, what if he had a bad week and it wasn't a particularly holy week for him? And the answer is God's the one doing the blessing. So it's not dependent on me or another elder or someone else standing up doing it. God is the one that extends the blessing. And that's good news, is it not? I mean, it is good news that the Lord does this. So all true blessing finds its source in God himself. But interestingly, and the Lord does this consistently, even though God is the source, he does it through humans. So the blessing is spoken through humans. It didn't boom in a voice out of the temple. God said, no, the priests are going to speak this blessing. So notice in verse 23, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Now, God is the one that's going to bless them, but he's going to do it through Aaron. And if you think about it just for a minute, if you step back, you recognize that's the way God regularly works. We have the scripture, the word of God, that is God speaking through men. In Peter, it actually says that, that holy men spoke by the Spirit. Uh, Jesus in Mark 12, 36 says this. He said, David speaking by the Spirit. The constant phrase regarding the Word of God is that God is the one speaking, but he is doing it through human beings. It's what happens each and every week as we gather and someone is going to be teaching the Word of God. The Lord wants to speak to us, but he does it through someone. If the Lord wants to get the gospel to your neighbor, is he going to A, send an angel, or B, send you? What's the answer? It's us. We, we might wonder. I mean, I, I've always marveled that when, when Cornelius needs the gospel in the book of Acts, and he's worshiping the Lord, and the Lord sends an angel, and does the angel tell Cornelius the gospel? I mean, he knows the gospel, but what does he do? Send to Peter. Peter will come here and explain to you the gospel. It is the way God works. He does it, but he does it through us, and that's all part of our vocations. That's both us doing things like speaking the word of God, sharing the gospel. The Lord is going to work through us, well, probably Tuesday. Many of us will have tomorrow off, but when you go back to your regular vocation, Whatever that is, the Lord is working through you to serve and bless other people. 
That is the way God works. And so God is the source and the giver of the blessing, but he passes the blessing to us um, and through uh, others as they speak God's word of blessing over us. So God wants to bless, but he does it through human beings, whether it's somebody blessing and it coming to you or God speaking and working through you to be a blessing to others. And this is true for all of us, but leaders have a special responsibility to speak blessing over those under their care. Now, we know because in this text, we see that Aaron and his sons are leaders, but we see it in many other places. A really interesting passage that we're going to kind of use as we come to the Lord's table in a little while is in Genesis chapter 14. There's this strange character, Melchizedek. He comes out of nowhere, and then we don't hear about him again all the way until Psalm 110. And the writer to Hebrews makes a lot of this because he's such an interesting character. But Abram has just had this huge battle. There have been all these kings fighting, and Abram has won with his 318 men that were part of his household. And suddenly, out of nowhere, this character Melchizedek shows up. In Genesis 14, beginning at verse 18, and we're told, Melchizedek, king of Salem, what do we usually call the city of Salem? It's Jerusalem. So he was the king of Jerusalem. Uh, he brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. So he's very unusual. He was a king and a priest. He was a king of Salem, which means peace. The writer to Hebrews, you can read, he makes a big deal of all of this stuff. But he brings out bread and wine. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Like how often do we do that? Every time we gather, right? It's a prefiguring of who Christ is and what Christ does for us. And, he, and notice what he does he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So notice, I mean, this is very much like the worship of God's people. God is blessing, there is bread, there is wine. Abram is responding back, he even gives a tithe. Again, the writer to Hebrews, if you look at Hebrews 7, makes a huge deal out of all of this because here is a type of Christ coming to speak a blessing over Abram. And if you pay attention, this is Genesis 14. The very next story that happens is in Genesis 15. Abram is, uh, makes covenant with God. God makes covenant with Abram. This is the one where he puts all the animals and splits them, and God walks between the pieces to promise to bless Abram. And I will expand you, and I will make you more numerous than the stars in the sky. That's in response to this blessing that is spoken here by Melchizedek. So notice this is a blessing and it is a king and priest that is speaking it over even Abraham. Secondly, it's the, uh, we saw that it was Aaron and his sons, but even all of the Levites were to do it. Notice in Deuteronomy chapter 10, Moses is recounting the laws, they're getting ready to go into the promised land, and he tells them, here's what's going to happen. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he, uh, excuse me, I'm reading the wrong verse there. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark and the covenant of the Lord to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessings in his name as they do today. When we oftentimes think, if you just ask Christians, well, what did the Levites do? Well, they, you know, they were down there and they were doing the sacrifices. And that's true. They did do that. But notice here it says, but there's something else that was done. They spoke blessing 
over the people. This is not a minor thing. It is brought out as one of the central facets of what the Levites are to do within Israel. Thirdly, David the king blessed the people. When David is setting up and they're, they're getting the ark brought down and uh, notice it says, after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. This is David the king speaking a blessing over them. And then in verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household. So notice here we're told in these two verses two different ways. Number one, David was the king over the people. And so he said, part of my task as the leader is to speak the blessing of Yahweh over the people so that the people be blessed. Who would like if we had politicians that behave like that today? That were in it, I don't know, for your blessing and your good rather than their own. Wouldn't that be a shock, right? But that's what David did. He said, this is what a king does. The king is a shepherd, and the shepherd wants to make sure that the sheep are blessed, so he blesses the people. But then notice David goes home. And he says, well, I am the king over the nation, but I'm also a leader in my home. And so when he goes home, his entire purpose is to bless his household. Unfortunately, McCall, Saul's daughter, is not happy with David at that point, and she kind of interrupts the whole thing. You can read the story. But, but notice David, both as a king and as a leader within the home, recognizes, I have a responsibility to speak blessing over those under my care. So we've seen all this in the Old Testament, but it's not just in the Old Testament. Jesus himself comes, who Melchizedek and the priesthood and David is the king. All of them were types and shadows and looking towards Jesus as we just saw during Advent. Well, notice what Jesus does. This is the very last thing Jesus does as he's ascending to the Father. Luke 24, verses 50 and 51. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So the last thing Jesus is doing as he's ascending away, what is it? He's speaking a blessing over the people. That is the, the final act of Jesus upon this earth in flesh as he ascends to the Father is blessing the people. This is why it's picked up. When we, when we read New Testament letters, the apostles do this constantly. In fact, the apostles, it's so worn, woven in to the warp and the woof of our faith, the apostles begin the letter with blessings and they end their letters with blessings. This is very, very common. In 2 Corinthians 1-2, we can see it in, in 2 Corinthians in verse 2 of chapter 1 and then the very last verse in the letter, chapter 13, verse 14. Notice he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what's kind of interesting here, and I've, I've mentioned this before, there's actually a little bit of a play on words. How, does anybody know how did, um, how did Jews greet one another? What would we say hello, what did they say? Shalom, which is peace. Greeks normally use the Greek word karen, which means greeting, but Paul took that over and did a word play and said, well, the, the Greek word is karain, which is greetings, hello, but the Greek word for grace is charis, which is very similar. So I'm going to take it, and it's going to be grace and peace. 
everything. So when you read that, he's doing kind of a play on words at the beginning of all of his letters. Yes, there is the peace, the shalom, the ironic blessing, but it is all coming to us by grace. So grace and peace are yours. And then when he ends the letter, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So the apostolic communication begins with blessing and it ends with blessing. Because brothers and sisters, that is the way the gospel is. The gospel is the grace of God that comes to you and I and it begins with blessing and it ends with the blessing and the presence of God. And it comes to you by grace and it brings peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with others, peace with creation. That is where we are heading by the grace of God is we are heading to peace. And this is so constant. We, we pass by these things, but as you read the New Testament in the coming months, whenever you're reading the New Testament, notice this. They begin and they end with blessing because that is the way of the gospel. And then um, uh, actually the, the last thing is if all that wasn't enough, the very last verse of Scripture, the very last verse of the Bible is this. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. What a great way to end the Bible. I mean, what a great way. But after John has written all the chaos, I mean, everybody in here, you've read Revelation, right? I mean, that's a book full of chaos, right? But, but here's the point at the end of it all. Kingdoms come, kingdoms go. Caesar rises up, there are beasts, there's all this crazy stuff going on, but Jesus is on the throne, and at the end of it all, he stands up and he speaks blessing on his people. And no king, no empire, Satan himself cannot stop the blessing of God from falling on the people of God. That is good news for you and me. Now, all of this is there <clears throat> And all of that is actually leaders, because even there it's John speaking that blessing and benediction. That's all um, leaders doing it. But all of us can speak blessing over one another. In Acts chapter 15, there's an apostolic delegation has been sent down to Antioch because there's been all this confusion as to whether we have to get circumcised and we have to obey the law and whether we're saved by works or we're saved by faith alone. And the apostles say, no, 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 we're saved by faith. You're not saved by what you do. And they send this delegation down. And in verse 33, the team is ready to go back to Jerusalem. And know what happens. Notice what happens. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. Now, see, they might say, well, I'm, I'm on an, a delegation from the apostles. Who are you to bless me? The answer is, who in here is a priest? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of God's priesthood. You are also a king. You are also given the Holy Spirit to prophesy. You are a prophet, priest, and king because you are in Christ. Okay? And so they speak a blessing over this because you and I can speak blessings over one another. We are all given that privilege. And so God, in all of this, what we see throughout the Scripture is God promises to bless his people as words of blessing are spoken over them. It is woven into all of God's covenant and all of the Scripture. 
everywhere you look, everywhere you turn. And so this is a reminder, and part of why I wanted to do this is because, of course, we end every week, and we end with a blessing, and we end with me saying, you are blessed, and do what? Go forth and be a blessing. I'm trying to remind us why we do things so they don't just become rote. This is so deep in the scripture. Remember, God said, Abram, I'm going to bless you, and through you, I'm going to bless how much of the world? All nations. Everybody's going to be blessed in and through you, Abram. That is what God is doing. It is, it is so woven into the scripture. Now, let's take a little bit closer look at the blessing, and then we will apply the word and come to the table. Notice here the the form of the blessing in it. And I've kind of laid it out here a little bit more the way we would normally write it. What kind of literature is this blessing given in? It's poetry, right? This is poetry that is here. And that's because, and if you've ever read the book of Numbers, how many of you know Numbers is not full of poetry, right? It's full of math and other things that we sometimes scratch our head at a little bit. Uh, and it's called numbers because there's two huge censuses, you know, that are kind of, they seem to be a little bit mundane. But right here, when God wants to speak blessing, he does it in a poetic fashion because it's adding grandeur. It's adding gravity to what is going on. And notice there are three lines and each of them have two parts. There's a statement at the beginning and then kind of an expansion of that statement or the the outcome of the statement in the first half. There's a little bit of parallelism, which I've spoken about before. Hebrew poetry very often does that, explains, and it expands the effect of the first part. Notice thirdly that the subject in every single line is who? Yahweh. Because if you're going to be blessed, it's going to come from Yahweh. God is the actor. This again underlines the gospel. We want to take the scripture and we want to turn it into what we are supposed to do, but the scripture is about what God has done. God is the subject. God is the one who acts. Otherwise, we're just going to mess it up. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to an Old Testament survey book right now, and he's pointing out that basically over and over and over and over again, the story is God makes a kingly, priestly guy like Adam God tells Adam to take care of things and to expand it and to spread blessing, and what does he do? He messes up, and then he usually turns and blames it on the woman, right? Is that not the story of Scripture over and over again? Which is why it's good news that God is the subject. God is the one that's going to act. If you are going to be blessed, it's going to be by God. And if God is going to bless you, no one can stop that. No one and nothing can stop it. Now, notice here, it's not only that, but each line gets longer building the finale. So let's all read this together. That is Hebrew. That's what Hebrew looks like. And I put it up there in Hebrew because you can see it's not always easy in the English, but notice how every line gets longer. And even as you listen to it, so that says, Yavarechacha Adonai V'yishmerecha, Ya'er Adonai Panayev Alecha V'hunecha, Yisa Adonai Panayev Elecha V'yasem Lecha Shalom. Notice how it gets longer 
and longer because it's having the effect of its building and its building and it is coming and saying the effect is shalom. What God has designed for you and I from the beginning, God is saying he's going to accomplish. So all of that kind of is how it works. It's poetry. The Lord is at work. It's expanding it out and is getting bigger and bigger and kind of building. Notice the content of the blessing because it even lets us know what this blessing is, which is very different than what we may at times think it to be. So number one, um, the Lord gives us, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wax a little Southern Baptist here. I grew up down South. So I'm going to come up and every one of these are going to have a P to remember it. And I had to work hard to do that because I'm not given to that kind of thing. So number one, there is provision. Notice in verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. Blessing is provision. God had promised to Abram, when you are alone and it seems like you're surrounded, I'm going to be your provision. And that's exactly what's going on here. Number two, there is protection. So notice it says the Lord bless you and keep you. The, the word there, shamar, means to guard or to keep, to, pr- to protect. And, and the idea here for keeping you is that God is going to protect you. He's going to watch over you. You remember he told Abram, look, you may have enemies all around, but know this, if they bless you, I will bless them. And if they curse you, I'm going to curse them. I will take care of it. I am watching over you. In fact, after Melchizedek had uh, blessed Abram, in Genesis 15, we read the Lord shows up and says, Abram, I'm your shield. I'm your reward. And then that's when Abram starts asking questions about it and all that. But so notice, there's not only provision, there is protection. Thirdly, and this is the central thing, there is pardon. So notice the Lord will make his face shine upon you and he will be gracious to you. When they translated this into Greek, I was looking at this week, they actually, the word gracious there was merciful. The Lord will be merciful to you. This is the idea of pardon. When it says that God's face will shine upon you, see, God's face sees us. But the question is, is is his face shining upon me or is his face looking at me in judgment? And here, because of the gospel, because of Christ, God's face is turned towards you and me, and it's turned towards us to shine. And brothers and sisters, that is because he is gracious to us. Whether you had a good week or you had a bad week, whether the year we're wrapping up was a good year or it was a bad year, you are sustained and kept by the grace of God. And on the final day, that's what's gonna keep you and I. We are not gonna stand before God with what we have done, but with what he has done. And if you are in Christ, on that day, he is gonna speak the blessing, he is gonna speak the benediction, and you do not need to worry when the Father lifts his face up on the judgment throne as to what his face will look like. It will shine with joy and gladness and blessing upon you because you are in Christ. That is the gospel. So there is provision, there is protection, there is pardon, 
Fourthly, notice that there is presence. He comes back to the idea of the face and he says, the Lord turn his face towards you. So again, the Lord is looking at you. The Lord is watching. The idea here is that no matter where we go, no matter what goes on, the Lord is with us. One of the most challenging things, if you look around at the world today, is the number of our brothers and sisters that are suffering for the faith. This is not an old-time thing. It's a very common thing. I, I serve on the board of a persecuted church ministry. It is tough reading. We have brothers and sisters locked up in jail right now. But you know what? If they are thrown into a cell and there is no one around them, who is there with them? The Lord, his face is turned toward them. There is no jail cell. There is no lock and key that can keep out the presence of God. And this is a promise that God will be with us. We're all going to be hearing, and probably have seen in recent days, all kinds of kooky predictions about 2024. Here's what I can tell you about 2024. No one knows except for God. He's not telling, but he will be with you. No matter what Comes. You remember when we sat here a few years ago? See, and this is the thing. If all these people knew what was going on, you know what they would have predicted in 2020? COVID. But they didn't because they didn't know what was going on. But I do know this. Come what may, God is with us because he has promised to be with us. And then this leads to the last thing. When you have God's provision, his protection, his pardon, and his presence, what that leads to is peace. That is that final word, shalom. And that does not just mean, the, the idea of shalom was not simply absence of conflict. It is everything right, everything as it ought to be. You in relationship with right standing with God, you rightly within your own soul, you in relationship with the people around you rightly, and us and the world together rightly. That is what shalom is. It's the presence of all that is right and good. And so to experience shalom is to experience life as it was meant to be in this harmonious relationship with God, others, and creation. Now, the experience of that awaits the new creation, because when you look around, is everything as it ought to be? No, it is not. And it's not going to be until Jesus returns. But God's blessing gives us a foretaste of that now. That is what God is saying is, I want you to get a taste of this. The writer to Hebrews says, we, we've tasted of the powers of the age to come. That is what God is promising and giving to us every time. Now, the result of all of this, we are told in verse 27, is I will put my name, they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I won't take the time to expand it, but you know, the name of God was so holy to the Jews. As you notice, as I was reading the Hebrew there, we say, Yavarechaka Adonai. It's really Yavarechaka Yahweh, but they didn't pronounce his name. So even when I was taught in seminary to read Hebrew, whenever you see the name of God, you read Adonai. 
another name for the Lord because God's name was so holy. They said, listen, when these priests pronounce this blessing, my name is going on my people. And when my name is on them, that strong tower that protects them and provides for them and watches over them, I will bless them. Not I might, not I'll think about it, we'll take it into divine counsel. No, I have promised I am going to bless my people. It's not a mere formality. This is not positive thinking. This is not positive mental energy and all the kind of crazy things we see today. See, we, we've lost the ability to think in these kind of terms in our culture. It amazes me when I look on like Facebook, you know, and people don't believe in prayer anymore, you know, and they're like sending thoughts your way. Well, that's helpful. Uh, <laughs> that's not sure what it's going to accomplish, but thanks for sending thoughts my way. Okay, now see, that's not what's going on here. This is not positive mental energy coming your way. This is God saying, I'm going to bless. I'm going to do what it says. And he gives his covenant promise to place his blessing on us as we receive it in faith. And I think, yeah, we've got, so here's all of these areas, and I want you to look at these for a moment because we're gonna go to applying the word now and then come to the Lord's table. These are the areas that are in this blessing. Okay, and in a few minutes, I'm gonna do, that's gonna be our benediction this week, is Aaron's blessing and benediction. This is what God has promised. As we stand on the cusp of a new year, where is it out of these that you look and you say, Lord, I specifically especially need blessing in this area? Provision, that may be materially, physically, emotionally, whatever it is. Maybe it's protection. Lord, I am, I am under attack. I've got somebody coming against. Lord, I need you to protect me. Maybe it's pardon. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not under pardon, and I urge you to turn to him. But even if you are a believer, you may be struggling and not sensing the free, amazing grace of God. This morning when we sang that song that, that Gracie sang the lead on, you know, that omniscient, all-knowing, he does not count your sins. He knows them all. If you said, Lord, I'm going to make a full list, that's what Luther was famous for. He was in confession for hours every day as a monk, confessing and then having to come back to confess his confession hadn't been good enough until he understood the gospel and he understood God knows all of your sins, including the ones you don't even know that you've committed. And yet, he offers pardon through Christ. Maybe you need to have that sink deep in your soul. Maybe it's presence that God is with you. Not sometimes, always. Maybe it is peace, true shalom. Which area is it? Now, with that in mind, I want to remind us in applying the word that when we do this each and every week, we, we put this passage into practice. When we do it, the question for you and me is, do I receive God's covenant blessing each week? Um, it's part of our worship because it's prescribed for us by God's 
uh, people, and it's part of our worship because it has a rich history. We stand in line. We, we didn't begin the Christian faith. It's not going to end with us, thanks be to God. We stand in the long line of God's work among his people, and this has always been part of it. And it's also part of our worship each week because it's a foretaste of the eternal blessing Jesus will speak over us in the new heavens and the new earth. Every week when we gather for worship, part of what we're doing is we're getting a glimpse. We're getting a brief foretaste. The curtain is pulled back, as it were, and saying, Lord, this is what it's going to be like when we are with you. This is just a, just a glimpse, just a shadow that I see out of the corner of my eye. But Lord, this is where we're heading. But I want to remind us, this is not a magical, lucky rabbit's foot. That's not what goes on here each week, okay? And let me say for, for two reasons. Number one, and I, I wouldn't normally bring this up, but there was recently a statement that was put out uh, by the Vatican that they were going to allow blessing of same-sex unions. Um, that's foolishness. You, you can't bless what God declares to be sin. So I can't say, Lord, I want to commit adultery. Bless me. Uh, no. doesn't work that way. Lord, I'm trying to set up to rob First National Bank of Annapolis, and I want you to bless me in my planning. What's the answer to that? No. Lord, help me slander my neighbor. No. You, you, you cannot do that which is sinful and say, oh, Lord, bless me. What he will say is, I will bless you by telling you stop doing that. Okay? It's not a magical rabbit's foot towards us. Um, but secondly, it's not a magical rabbit's foot in the sense of just because it's spoken doesn't mean that I receive it. Okay, one of, the, one of the bad things that did develop in the history of the church, they were correct to say, well, no, the blessing doesn't depend on what kind of a week Brett had, which is good news. But out of that, they developed the bad idea that the Latin phrase was ex opere operato, in the working, it works. Long as you're in the area and the voice rings out over you, it works. No. How do we receive everything from God? By faith. By faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11, all of those passages. So we have to reach out and receive the blessing of God each week by faith, asking the Lord to do it. So all this other, you know, the foolishness and the things going, don't make it lose sight uh, of the rich biblical teaching that God wants to bless you. So each week as we do this, am I consciously saying that God is actually blessing me. Th those areas that we talked about, he is actually doing this. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a hope. The Lord has promised. He has made a covenant promise and guarantee that he will bless me. Do I believe that? Is that what I understand is happening? Do I pay attention and actively receive it? Because what I could be thinking is, if I get home now, I could get there in time to watch the first quarter start. And I start digging for the keys. And if I do that, what am I missing? The blessing of God, okay, that, which I don't want to do. It's not that important to catch the beginning of the first quarter. It's really not. Grab the blessing. I do love, as I and others speak it, I notice some people have like hands extended and they're like reaching out. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what it ought to be. You, you know, you watch... Uh, 
as a child comes up to their parents and they stick the arms up, right? And they're like, hold me, grab me. That's what we need to be doing every week. God, yes, pour it on. How much ever blessing you got, pour it, pour it, pour it. I need it. Amen? Is, anybody, is there anybody in here who is so blessed they don't need it? Okay. Then reach out and grab it. Second thing, and then we come to the table. Am I speaking God's blessing over others? Leaders are called to do this within the church, and we're going to do it. But all believers can speak blessing over others because we are all priests in the new covenant. Furthermore, every one of us have places and areas of responsibility. So, if you're a parent, what should you be doing with your children? You should be speaking blessing over them. I still remember the day we found out Linda was pregnant with Tim. I started the practice that I did with all four of my kids. I pulled out the scripture, and, and over her womb, I started speaking the blessing of God and the word of God, reading blessings from the scripture. Over my children, they were the size of a lima bean or something at the time. It didn't matter. They were the image of God. They were capable of receiving the blessing of God. And I was going to start speaking blessing over my children before they had ever drawn a breath. Okay? Do you do that? You, as parents, we have to correct our kids. But I can tell you now, as a, and I'm in grandparent mode now. But, right, right. I corrected a lot as dad, as papa, I'm just blessing, okay? Let me tell you, parents, don't wait until your nana and papa bless. If I could go back, I would spend less time correcting, less time fretting, and more time blessing. Your children should know that they are loved and that they are blessed and that you are handing them to God every day and you are speaking the blessing of God over them. Are you doing that? Um, husbands and wives, are we speaking God's blessing over one another? So often, <laughs> we, we can ask one another, what are the things that are wrong with your spouse? Have you got some time? Let's go out and get dinner. What are the things you appreciate? Can I get back to you on that? That's a problem. Do I every day, when I go into prayer each morning, the, my, my prayer list changes. I've got an app that moves, you know, so I'm praying for all of y'all and it's moving through and I'm doing all that. I'll be texting everybody again starting this week, getting updated prayer requests. But you know who's number one on my prayer list every day? My wife. And my prayer is mainly asking God to bless her, thanking God for her, not giving a laundry list of, well, Lord, if she would do this, and maybe you could work on that. Right. Now, in my case, my wife is perfect because I, I don't want to be in trouble. No. No. Do, seriously, do we speak the blessing of God over one another? That, that should be regular. That your mouth should be open speaking blessing to the one that God has joined you with in covenant. That should be a regular part 
of your life and worship. Um, and this may be, even if you're a boss, I'm not saying walk out, you know, Greg, go to the construction site and say, everybody stop, hang off, the Lord bless you, okay? I'm not saying yet, but you can speak blessing. You ought to be praying for the people that work with and for you. You ought to be speaking blessing over them, asking God to be at work in their life. Friends, it is easy to focus on negatives, to complain, to pray about what we don't like in others, but God calls us to speak the blessing over one another. And it amazes me, you know, I, I used a quote from, I could have picked any of Paul's letters. I had Corinthians. Somebody remind me, did the Corinthian church have any problems? Just a few. And yet, Paul can speak the apostolic blessing over them. We can do this for one another. We can speak to one another. Now what we're going to do is we're going to come down to the Lord's table and as we do so, and, and the folks are going to get ready to hand it out, I do remind you that you do not have to be a member of our church. You do have to be a believer in the gospel, which I've been stressing. It means when I take this bread and when I take the cup, I'm recognizing my only hope of salvation is the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. I have no other hope of salvation. If you believe that, you are welcome to participate with us. We encourage you to do so. As we do so, we're going to do something a little different this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to do um, a, a little reading um, from Genesis 14, that passage with Melchizedek. And then uh, we'll, we'll do the institution. We'll pass the things out. And as they're going out, we're going to be playing a song that was popular a couple of years ago called The Blessing. We're just going to let it play. And I want you to hear it. It is part of the ironic blessing spoken, and even towards the end, just singing blessings on you, blessings on your children and your children's children, blessings as you come, blessings as you go. That is the heartbeat of God towards you. And so as we take the time, I want us to hear and understand that is the Father's heart towards you. We read in the scripture that Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to pass out the elements as they come by. Remember to grab the, both cups that are together so you can have the bread and the juice. And let's hear and worship along with this song as the elements are being passed out. Brothers and sisters, is not the bread that we break 
a participation in the body of Christ. Lord Melchizedek, the king of Salem, set out a feast of bread for Abraham and spoke a blessing over him. But our Lord Jesus is the king of the new Jerusalem, the ruler of heaven and earth, and he gives us the living bread upon this table and speaks over us eternal blessings. We thank you for feeding and caring for us, and we receive from you now with grateful hearts. Brothers and sisters, take and eat. And is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Lord Melchizedek was priest of God Most High and gave wine to Abraham, speaking the blessing over him. But our Lord Jesus is the great high priest who has shed his blood to cleanse us perfectly forever. And he gives us the living wine at this table, speaking over us eternal blessings. Lord, we thank you for saving and caring for us, and we receive from you now with grateful hearts. Brothers and sisters, take and drink. Let's stand together for concluding prayer and the blessing. Lord, as Melchizedek, the priest king, spoke a blessing over your servant Abraham so that he might receive your promises and serve your purposes. Father, you also told the Levitical priest to bless your people so that your name and blessing would be upon them. But Father, we thank you that we are blessed by Jesus, the true prophet, priest, and king who has saved us, cleansed us, filled us with the Holy Spirit, and who speaks over us every covenant blessing. So Lord, we ask that you would freshly impart your spirit and blessings to us now so that we will be able to receive your promises, experience your presence, and serve your purposes in our time and place. Lord, we ask all of this through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever and God's people say, amen. amen. I encourage you now to receive the blessing. I'm going to actually speak it in Hebrew, kind of the way Aaron and them did, and then we'll translate the normal way. And I encourage you, by faith, receive the eternal blessing of God. Yevarechaka Adonai v'yish merecha. Ya'er Adonai panayev alecha v'hunecha. Yisa Adonai Panayev Alecha Vyasem Lecha Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed, eternal blessings in your coming and your going 
So go forth and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.